All right, who's ready for the word? Yes. Okay. Okay. We're up to John chapter 10 now. And uh, to get us ready for John chapter 10, uh, I've got a, uh, I've got a couple of videos actually, to be honest, but we'll watch this one first. Have a look at the screen. I am telling you the truth. A man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who goes in through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep hear his voice as he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought them out, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow someone else. Instead, they will run away from such a person because they do not know his voice. Jesus told them this parable, but they did not understand what he meant. So Jesus said again, I am telling you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All others who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Those who come in by me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come in order that you might have life. Life in all its fullness. I am the good shepherd who is willing to die for the sheep. When the hired man, who is not a shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and runs away. So the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. The hired man runs away because he is only a hired man and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. As the father knows me and I know the father, in the same way I know my sheep and they know me. And I am willing to die for them. There are other sheep which belong to me that are not in this sheep pen. I must bring them too. They will listen to my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I am willing to give up my life in order that I may receive it back again. No one takes my life away from me. I give it up of my own free will. I have the right to give it up and I have the right to take it back. This is what my father has commanded me to do. Again, there was division among the people because of these words. Division again. So John chapter 10 is all about Jesus, the good shepherd. And uh, I couldn't continue talking about Jesus, the good shepherd, without questioning or hearing from the world's worst shepherd give us a lesson on uh, looking after sheep. So have, have a look at this one. I'm Joe. I'm a shepherd. I watch sheep. I've been doing this for, for 15 years now. I'm good at it. Sheep, where you going? Wait up. Hey, this way. This way. <laughs> I think I'm probably going to die in this field. I love you guys. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about sheep right now. A sheep are weird. 
They lack a sense of direction. Not that way. Hey, hey, Steve, not that way. Not that way. They tend to wander off. Not that way. Not that way. Not that way. Hey. Come on, dude. Film it. Sheep are needy. They, they lack self-defense. Whoa! It's a good thing that these sheep have me because they have no way to defend themselves and I got mad hostess. I mean, they, they can't bark. They don't have sharp teeth. They don't even growl. There's no way that these guys can scare anybody away. They're scared of me. You know, most animals have a way to clean themselves. These guys, they don't. Without me, it'd be terrible. I mean, look at these guys. Come here, you, you little dirt-covered cotton balls. Do you have any idea how much money I spend on leaving conditioner? That's where you're going. Hey, play nice. Come on, Steve. Making a video. Not cool. Shit. Chasing sheep, it's hard work. Most of the time, people like get a dog and chase their sheep around. Times are tough, it's a county. Hey guys, guys, I missed you the whole. Hey, where you go? <laughs> They're always kidding. They're kidding. Guys? Woo! Alright, we'll see you guys tomorrow. I'm gonna go take a nap. Sometimes, I get real lonely. Like, listen to Taylor Swift alone kind of lonely. <laughs> Hashtag sadness. <laughs> People don't understand how tough it is to be a sheep. Tiny little brains, never knowing what to do. Need somebody to look out for them. Somebody like me, a super shepherd. Super shy. You know what the best part about sheep is? Really, I'm asking. Pretty much do anything else right now. You know how many jobs? I was gonna be a mechanical engineer, man. Guys, guys, you're embarrassing me in front of my friends. Guys! Shepherd thing. But anyway, it's all good. Sheep are such stupid animals. Sorry, I've just got to say. Uh, does anyone disagree with me? No, they, 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 I know you love sheep. But <laughs> they can't fend for themselves. You know, even when standing within a few metres of grass to eat and water to drink, they can't find it. So they've got to be led to it. They need a shepherd to lead them to food and drink. You know, sheep are directionally impaired, as you saw on that video. You know, you tell them to go one way, they go another. You know, I, in, in doing thorough research for this sermon today, I looked at a few YouTube videos on sheep. And like, there's this long fence and there's this one sheep, somehow he's gotten on the outside, and every step he takes, he tries to go through the fence. Like this. And I'm like, sheep, come on. It's like barbed wire and everything. He's like, douche, douche, until he finds just this little gap that he's not supposed to fit through, and he gets through. But anyway, I was going to show that, and I thought, oh, some people might get upset about a sheep running into barbed wire, so I didn't shoot that. <laughs> sheep are helpless, too. You know, they can't defend themselves. They're easy prey for wild animals. They need a shepherd to protect them. Well, 
People are a lot like sheep. And now you're going to stone me because I said sheep are stupid. <laughs> and I'm telling you that people are like sheep. <laughs> Forgive me. Look, we all do stupid things every now and then. We all do. It's called sin. We make a mistake. And, and we, some of us get lost just going up and down the stairs. Uh, no one in here, of course. We're all solid. But uh, spiritually, we get lost and defenseless at times in, in our lives. We need a shepherd. So enter Jesus, the good shepherd, who does for us what a shepherd does for short woolly critters. This chapter of John describes Jesus' role as our shepherd. So let's go with uh, John chapter 10, verses 1 to 3. All the scriptures are on the screen, or I'm reading from New King James. So, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You've got to uh, beware of wall climbers. I can't say I've seen any sheep climb walls, but you know what? Thieves, the only way to get to the sheep, as described by the sheep pen, which we'll look at in a minute, is to climb the walls to pull the sheep out and over because there's a gate. So when John wrote this book, um, he didn't actually have chapters and verses and all that. We've added that to the writings. But what he's done here is straight out of the end of chapter 9 that we finished last week, without missing a beat, Jesus switches the topic from blindness uh, to sheep tending. and Because uh, he's looking to put the Pharisees in their place. He's trying to show them uh, who he is, and why he is here, and try and explain it so that they understand that how many of you know right along this journey, right up to John chapter 10, I think they get it, but they don't want to get it because it goes against everything that they live by, their law. Mm -hmm. And so they're blind, they're deaf, they don't want to hear the good news. So as the religious leaders, um, they were supposed to be shepherds to God's people, but they flunked in this department, they failed miserably, because instead they're like false shepherds driving people away from God because they're all about the law. And, and to make his point... Jesus uses this illustration. So those shepherds and sheep may be unfamiliar to, to many. I think in this room it's familiar because we live in the country and many of us have got a background so we know the, the, the shepherd-sheep relationship. But Jesus' audience of the day knew all about them, knew all about shepherds and sheep. And sheep were like uh, money in the bank. That's what they were like to them back then. Uh, people raised them to earn a living. So when in town... Uh, shepherds would herd their sheep into pens with a gate. It's kind of like that. It's a little blurry, but, but that's what they kind of look like. You've got a gate at the front. Sheep would get herded in there. And often there was like this, a community sheepfold uh, that one man guarded while the other shepherds went and had a sleep because shepherds have to sleep at some point. And so they would take turns uh, watching all the sheep and rotate around and have a sleep. So... The guard knew each shepherd and let him in through the gate. But unknown thieves couldn't get in that way, and they'd have to climb over the wall, like I said earlier, uh, to hoist lambs over it. And that's a lot of work, really, to steal a sheep. So it didn't happen too often. But since sheep know their shepherd's voice, all the shepherd had to do was call their sheep. What do farmers do? Come on, come on, come on. They know the voice. 
and, and all they had to do was call the sheep when he entered the pen and the animals would follow him out. That's how it works. They wouldn't follow out a stranger. It had to be the voice that they recognised. Alright. Verse 4 to 6 says this. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them, because it didn't fit their agenda. It didn't fit their law, their Torah. It didn't fit any aspect of their concept of belief about God. So they're trailing behind the shepherd. The sheep recognise their shepherd's voice and they follow him anywhere and everywhere and they ignore everyone else. So we say sheep are stupid, but actually no, they're actually quite clever. If only we could be more like sheep and listen to the voice of the shepherd that we've got over us. Although sheep appear to trail blindly behind the shepherd, people sheep are a little different. So now I'm talking about us. Uh, they follow a shepherd deliberately. So you've all made a choice uh, I presume, to make this church your home. And God's appointed Anita and I as pastors, as shepherds, over the flock here in Stanthorpe. But you've made a choice to come here. I haven't said, come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> we haven't done any enticing. That's not our style. We don't try and guilt people to come to this church. Uh, this is just a welcoming place where anyone's welcome. And if you choose to stay with us, we love that. That's great. So you're choosing a shepherd. Uh, as, as sheep... We'll learn to tell God's voice from those of the religious crooks that try to uh, misguide us. So we've got to trust God in where he leads us and places us. And when we make that choice of shepherd, that's the voice. this is where God speaks to me. And, and can God use other ministries? Of course he can. But just be wary. Make sure you do your research. Make sure you know who's speaking into your world. Who's, uh, and if you're unsure, come and ask your shepherds. And we'll let you know what we think of certain speakers or ministries. or, or what. And if we don't know, we'll do the research and find out and see what we can find out for you. We don't know everything. Uh, but our job is to care for the flock. And so we want to make sure that any teaching or any... And it's not a controlling thing. People misconstrue this as it's controlling. Or you're trying to say that I can only listen to you. Well, no, of course not. But what I'm saying is, is that if you're listening to something and maybe you're a bit unsure about the message or maybe it's a little different... You've got a point of reference to come and check. And I think it's important that we do that. Mm. So in Jesus' day, these crooks or strangers were the Pharisees who were leading the people astray. And even though the leaders understood sheep tending, they, they didn't understand the point Jesus was making with this illustration. Again, it didn't fit their agenda. So to follow, um, you know, what, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What a great question. I'm going to read this out in just a moment. But when you ask someone, what does it mean to follow Jesus, you know, to, to be a Christian, sometimes their response is, oh, you've got to believe in Jesus. That's actually not true. I'll tell you why. Satan believes in Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. He believes he exists. Does that make Satan a Christian? No. <laughs> That's not a trick question. Everyone's like... Oh, what do I say here? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Belief in Jesus doesn't make you a Christian. Certainly part of it. You've got to believe in who he is and know who he is. But let me read this to you. To follow Christ means 
I become intimately identified with his plans and purposes for the planet and for me as a person. That's why we say we're new creations when we become Christians, because it's no longer I that lives. It's no longer my desires and my dreams and the things that I want for my life. But it's now his. My desires become his desires. His wishes become my wishes. His work becomes my work. His words become my words. His standards, values and priorities become mine. His interests become mine, interests. And his life becomes my life. So what does it mean to be a Christian? Yeah, you've got to believe in Jesus. But you know what? It's so much more than that. It means that everything that he's interested in, I'm interested in. Anything that I'm interested in that he's not interested in, I let go. Chains be broken in Jesus' name. The plans that he has for the planet become my plans. I want to be involved. His desires become my desires. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ, not just belief. It's important that we understand that. And when we believe that, let's read this next scripture, 7 to 8. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. It's, it, we're about to bring um, new meaning to over my dead body, that saying. When the shepherd was out on the hillside with his sheep, he rounds them up um, at night in a sheepfold similar to the one in town, but the ones that were out of town didn't have a gate. There's actually no gate, it's just open for the sheep to go in and out. So to keep thieves out and sheep in, the shepherd lay down across the opening of the sheepfold when they were on watch. Or if they needed to sleep, they lied there because, you know, sheep are stupid. <laughs> and so if there's something laying across the gate, they're not going to walk over it. They're going to steer away from it. So uh, this, he, the shepherd was literally the gate. So since no one could get in or out unless the shepherd was dead, this action gives new meaning to the phrase over my dead body. You'll have to take, the only way you're going to take these sheep is if I'm not here, if I'm dead. Here's a key point. As the gate, Jesus is the only way to God in heaven. He's the only way. The religious leaders who claimed to lead people to God were in reality thieves and robbers. They had added their own rules to God's. So many rules, in fact, that no one could keep them all. It's impossible. But God's sheep, those who belonged to him, didn't listen to the false teachers. They made a choice and they followed Jesus. And that's what we've done. Everyone in this place, I trust, is following Jesus. Not the letter of the law, not the rules and regulations, not the, but you're living by conviction. Because Jesus is inside of you. You want to live the way he lived. You want to dream the way he dreams. You want to fulfill the plans that he wants fulfilled on the planet. Your desires become his desires. That's why when someone has a true conversion, they turn away from their sinful ways. Because, you know, God's not into that stuff. He wants you to be like him. Become like him. Step away from those things. Now, for some people, it happens like this. For others, they journey through it. Which way is right? Neither. Both are right, exactly. Don't look at someone who's maybe made a decision to Jesus and is on a journey letting go of some stuff, dealing with some stuff, and say, oh, well, they haven't had a conversion experience. There's this thing called habitual nature that, that bit by bit sometimes needs to get stripped away. Other times, people give their heart to Jesus, bang, I've seen it, instant healing. 
I've seen people that were addicted a week ago with needles in their arms on, on heroin, totally set free, no need for any um, rehab. That's what I was going to say, quarantine, because that's the word that's in my head. These but rehab, no need for any of that. They were set free, literally. So can God do that? Yes, he can. If he doesn't do it in another person, is that fair? It's, it's their journey. But let's not judge. Let's support people. I want people to come to a knowledge of Jesus. So some of us need to go through a process of allowing God to strip away the layers, and that's okay. So let's make sure we're allowing that to happen uh, and not add our own rules to the equation because then we're no better than the Pharisees that were judging people for not following the law. Okay. Verses 9 and 10. Let's read. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Particularly verse 10, we hear a lot, don't we? Uh, declaring life in Christ. You know, to make his point, Jesus again claims to be the gate because he is the real Messiah. Faith in him is the only way to salvation and eternal life. The religious thieves didn't care about the people's spiritual welfare. They only cared about themselves and taking what they could from the people. That's another key indication as to whether someone's a good shepherd or not. Are they sowing into you and want the betterment of you? Or are they in this for what they can get out of it? I feel like I'm on trial today. Hopefully you don't think that about us. We're here for you guys. The religious thieves just didn't care about the people. They cared about their law more than anything else. If you follow the law, if you do everything right, well then we'll accept you. But if you put one foot wrong, look out. So, we've got all kinds of religious thieving type people in the world today. Just be aware and alert to that. If, if all of a sudden you're feeling like you need to make the grade and you need to tick the boxes and if I don't do those things I'm not accepted, run away from that place. Yeah. Run away. Because that's a place of religion. Yeah. Our whole culture here is welcome home. Why? Because anyone is welcome. No one has to meet a grade or make a standard or, or tick a box. I don't care if there's unsafe people in this church. Because you know what? I'd rather them in here than out there. So don't you dare judge an unsafe person in this church. Otherwise the shepherd's going to come with his stick. <laughs> no, I'm serious because, you know... There's stories of things like that that go on. Maybe not in this church, maybe it's other churches. But don't judge anyone that walks through our doors. Welcome them. Because you know what? Probably many of you here that have made this church your home are here because you felt welcome when you came. That you didn't feel like you were being looked down upon or frowned upon or you're, you're not dressed right or you're, not, you're swearing, you're smoking. You're, you know, no, none of that matters. Let's make sure we're a welcoming church. And, and this place will be filled with people that feel accepted. Isn't that important? Yes. It's what we all long for, to be accepted. So Jesus, on the other hand, so you've got these religious people, but Jesus, on the other hand, came to give life to his people. And he doesn't do that by judging them and, and, and putting them under the thumb and become like me and then we'll accept you. He doesn't do that. You know, eternal life in the future in Christ is satisfying. It's joyful. And it's full life right now. 
So it's not just about what we're going to get when we die. It's about living life to the full right now. Go through the gate. If you haven't made a decision for Jesus, and there's people online, who knows? But if you haven't made a decision for Jesus, when you do, it's like going through that gate and it's saying, you know what, I put my trust in the shepherd. His name is Jesus. He's the good shepherd. That's who we're reading about today. And he will transform your life in the most powerful, amazing way. So I encourage you to consider, uh, consider that today. Living in faith is kind of like a marriage. Did anyone else? I just had a picture of Rowan Atkinson and Malich. Remember he did that wedding in, I don't know what movie it was. Yeah. Father, Son and Holy Goat. And, I don't know. Anyway, sacrilegious. You know, this is church. We need to be serious. That just came into my head. Sorry about that. It's like a marriage. Living in faith is like a marriage. When a young couple gets married, they have the wedding day. They're full of excitement. You know, and it's not just a young couple either. We have... Not so young couples that have just gotten married. Full of excitement. Hey, Mappa? Yes, that's a good answer. Rosemary's not here, but I will testify. Yeah, they get married, they have a wedding day, full of excitement, joyous celebration. But the day of celebration, it's not the last day, is it? No. It's not a trick question again. It's not, it will be quiet today. I like stunned mullets with possum in the headlights. It's not the last day. The wedding day is not the last day. It's actually the beginning, isn't it, of their journey together as a couple. It would be a sad story if it was the last day. You know, it's the days that follow which are bright and rich with promise as they live with each other and grow to know each other more deeply. And and, and that's what makes that wedding day so important because that was the beginning of where we began to flourish together in fullness. So it is with the coming with coming to the Lord Jesus. You know, the sinner receives forgiveness, is accepted as a child of God, and from then puts their trust in Jesus. And it's then that he can live as he goes in and out of that precious door and find pasture. Life changes the day we meet Jesus, but it's not the last day. It's the beginning of a whole new adventure for you in your life as you learn to trust the shepherd, and follow his guidance. So Jesus is our shepherd. Let's keep reading about that. John chapter 10, verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, we know in hindsight that he's speaking figuratively. He's actually going to give his life down the track. But in that moment, the people didn't know that was coming. Jesus knew it was coming. For people who want to know what a dedicated, loving leader looks like, they need only look at Jesus. Model your leadership of him. He's the model for others to follow. As The good shepherd is good from the inside out. And goodness is part of his character. It's not a mask that he puts on in the presence of people. It's who Jesus was. And as the model shepherd, Jesus would voluntarily give his life so people could have eternal life. That's the kind of leader you want to follow. Someone that would give of themselves everything to see someone come to the knowledge of Christ. You know, Jesus didn't dream up the image of shepherd and sheep. It's used throughout the Old Testament as well. I've got Jesus is the shepherd. I've got that. You might want to take a photo of that or or whatever, but I'm not going to um, read every one of those scriptures. But all through the Old Testament, there's accounts of 
Jesus, um, the, the, the referring to, like what he's referring to, the, the relationship between shepherds and sheep. So it wasn't a new thing. It wasn't a new trend. It was on trend, and Jesus thought he'd bring it up. But there's all those references there where sheep are referred to and shepherds. You know, God's action as a shepherd, Israel as sheep, David as shepherd, people as the flock of God's pasture, people as God's sheep, God the Messiah as a shepherd, people like sheep going their own way. Uh, if the kids are in here, they go, ba ba do ba ba It's a song by Colin McCann. False and true shepherds uh, contrasted. It's all there. Um, so, so go back and look at those, and you'll see, and then you'll go, oh, makes total sense why Jesus would raise that in that moment. Because right through the Old Testament, which is what the religious leaders were familiar with, there's references to this. All right, let's keep going. John chapter 10, verses uh, 12 and 13 says this, But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep because he's only for the money. I didn't put it there. That's all right. Oh, that should say only for the money. That's a PowerPoint slip up. <laughs> he's only in it for the money. The hireling is there not because he cares for the sheep, but it's a job. And that's what you've got to assess when you're considering what church you're going to go to and, and who you're going to allow to be your shepherd. Are they there because they genuinely care for their people? Or is that just a vocation that fills up their Sunday and, and, and keeps them busy? There's a big difference. And you can tell when you meet someone right away whether they're uh, open and interested in you or whether they're just there for whatever. Um, so that's important. It's important. And even you, you as, as sheep in the, in the flock, there are people that you would shepherd. Friends, people that come to you, that listen to you. Take a genuine interest in them. That's what people are looking for, isn't it? Genuineness. Just someone that's real. And I trust that we're pretty real. I tell tacky jokes and have a really bad sense of humour and you're still here. So, you know, we can all just be who we are. We don't have to come to church on Sunday and put this facade up and pretend, well, I'm dressed the right way and I've got my makeup on and I'm good when life is just miserable. No, you can come here and you can be vulnerable because everyone here accepts you. Remember, we're not judging Everyone goes through hard times. So you can be yourself here. It's not a place where you come and, yeah, everything's great. Yeah, life's good when it's not. If you're being like that, well, I'm sorry. Please don't. <laughs> be real with us. Yeah. Because we can't be there for you and help lift up your arms and, and get around you and support you unless we know how things are going. But if you give us the, yeah, everything's great, everything's good, Okay, everything's great, everything's good, we'll leave you be. And then Monday to Saturday, you're in the doldrums and you're struggling and, and you just wish you could talk to someone. Mm. Don't go there. This is a safe place and there are people here that care, not just Anita and I, but a whole church. And that's what I love about this church family. We care for one another. And if one of us was hurting, we'd all jump to do something. That's what, that, that, that's what church is. So... In contrast to the good shepherd, the hired hands in the sheep business are only in it for the money. And they don't have any personal interest in the flock. So they run <laughs> when the wolf comes. They run away uh, and when other wild animals come around, leaving the flock defenceless. Well, after all, why would they risk their own life for someone else's property? That's how they see it. Without stating the obvious, Jesus was comparing the Pharisees to these hired hands. 
They didn't like it one bit. They were concerned about themselves and their reputation more so than for caring about the people's spiritual well-being. They're more concerned about their elevation within the ranks and making it to the top, whatever the position is, than, and, and fulfilling law and being perfect and, and, and being seen as perfect in the eyes of man than helping people along the journey of life. Let's get going. Verses 14 to 16 says this. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and, my, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. There's a whole community out there that belong in this flock. And it's our role to bring them in. Tell them about Jesus. Invite them to church. Get them to come and hear the good news. Get them to come and feel welcome and part of a family. Because there's many sheep out there that need to be in here. So let's do our utmost to be sharing Jesus. The time is crucial. The world's going crazy. More than ever, people want just a drip of hope. Just something. Just give me some good news. Well, we're carriers of the best news. When the shepherd calls, his sheep follow because they know his voice. And when Jesus the shepherd calls, his people follow him because they know he is God. We have the same loving, trusting relationship with Jesus that he has with the Father. But it's not an exclusively Jewish family. It's not about that. There are people outside Judaism, the world of Gentiles, who believe in Jesus too and become part of the flock of God's family. That's what Jesus is talking about. There's no exclusive uh, exclusivity. Think about the word, the extended flock. What are other words for exclusiveness? Clannishness, clickishness, selectiveness, exceptionality, oneness, exclusivity, snobbery. I cast that out of this church in Jesus' name. It's not here. It's not here, and I never want it here. I don't want us to think we're better than them because we've got Jesus. And I don't want people to come in here and see the little friendship clicks. And I think we're reasonably good at this. We all kind of try and mix as best we can. But, you know, maybe this Sunday is the day for you to get out of your comfort zone and say hello to someone you haven't said hello to for a few weeks. And you might be surprised at the great conversation you might have. But let's not let clickiness and snobbishness and all these things ever overtake the welcome home culture in this church. Because that's what will destroy it. If people walk in and they see this group over there, this group over there, and they're left standing, that what a sad day that is. Let's make sure that when there are people that are new or people that are, have just started joining, don't leave them alone. Go and talk to them. Engage with them. You know, one of the hardest things in the world to unlearn is exclusiveness. It actually is. And we do it without thinking. So I'm not pointing fingers today, but we do. We do it without thinking. We gravitate to the ones that we're comfortable with. You know, once a people or a selection of people gets the idea that they're specially privileged or that that's their group, you know, they're set apart as a group, you know, it's a very difficult thing uh, for them to accept that the privileges which they believe belong to them or the, you know, the importance of their group, um, it, it, it's hard for them to, to learn that they're, they're in your mind. They're not actually in existence. People from the outside looking into your friendship group don't see that. They just feel left out. 
We've got to squash that. You know, that is what the Jews never learned. They believed that they were God's chosen people and that God had no use for any other nation. That's what they believed. So it's hard to unlearn that. There's a lot of Jewish Christians now. And that's the first thing I reckon God, the button that God pushes in their life to realise it's not just about Jews. But Jesus came that the world would know. Jesus is saying that there will come a day when all men will know him as their shepherd. Not just the Jews, but the world. Let's ponder this. Everyone is following someone or something. We all are, even the people out there. Everyone's following someone or something. It might be self. It might be Jesus. I pray it's Jesus. It might be Satan, Muhammad, Buddha, atheism, agnosticism, family, money, materialism, horoscopes, the crowd, any one of several hundred religions that exist on the planet, people, philosophies, things. Everyone's following something. The big question is, who are we following? That's the question to ask ourselves. Now, your instant response, hopefully, is going to be Jesus. But I really want you to dig deeper in this rhetorical question. I'm not looking for answers from you. But are you really? You know, it's church on Sunday. Yeah, we're here for Jesus. But Monday to Saturday, who are you following? Is Jesus your Lord every day, not just a Sunday or a time when we gather? If your answer is anyone or anything other than Jesus... You're never going to get that full and satisfying life here and eternal life after. You've got to put your faith and trust in Jesus and him alone. Nothing else matters. The stress at work doesn't matter. The, the bills that are sitting on your desk, you know, don't let them rule your week and plague your mind with worry. You know, the pressure from your friends to... Accept whatever it is their opinion is. None of that matters. What matters is Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. And let everything else just water off a duck's back. <laughs> Fix your eyes on him. Alright, let's keep going. 17 to 18 says this. Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. He's talking about life after death, and he's talking about the fact that he is in control. He can choose to lay his life down or not. No one can make him. Few people volunteer to die. Has anyone ever volunteered to die? <laughs> no, because we're all here. <laughs> but, but Jesus did. He volunteered to die. When he was killed... As we see later in the book of John, towards the end of the gospel, we'll, we'll go through the time when Jesus gave his life. You know, it may have appeared that Jesus was powerless against the Roman soldiers, that they came and took him and crucified him. But in reality, Jesus chose to die. Only he uh, had that choice to make. No one could impose it on him. And here's the cool thing. He doesn't stay dead. He rises again. And that was a daring claim related to having the authority to control his death and life. You know, Anyone that says that, that, that Jesus didn't have that power, doesn't understand that Jesus is God. Fully God, fully man. And so no one's making him do anything. <laughs> Can anyone twist God's arm and make him do something for you? Has anyone ever tried? 
maybe, <laughs> in frustration. Yeah. Come on, God, I need this or that. You know, but he won't be moved. God's will is his will, and we can't change that. We have to surrender to it, and that's called faith and trust. So when we think of power, it's usually in one of these contexts. Maybe it's having enough money to buy and do what we want. Maybe it's having political clout. Maybe it's being bigger than other people. Um, and I mean importance, not that bigger. Uh, uh, or being in charge of a group or being in charge of an organisation. Maybe that's what we're looking for when we're talking about power. But Jesus gave power another definition, and I love this. He taught that real power is choosing to give your life for others. To be sacrificial. Sacrificial leadership. Servant-hearted leadership. Putting others first. That's the spin that Jesus puts on power, and I love it. Because it's the way of God. These are our last scriptures for today. 19 to 21 says this. Therefore there was a division again. Surprise! Jesus speaks out, tells them like it is, tells them who he is, and it creates division. So there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings, and many of them said he has a demon and he's mad. Why do you listen to him? And others said, well, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind. So there were some that still remembered that just one chapter before where Jesus had healed a man that was blind from birth. Uh, so so let's call it a split decision. When we're having a boxing match and it's a bit of a tie, uh, that's what we call it, isn't it? A bit of a split decision. So there were some on the side of, yes, he is the gate. Yes, I want to follow him. Yes, Jesus. And then there were others that were, no, he's a demon. He's possessed. He's crazy. He doesn't know what he's on about. So it's a split Decision. Jesus had a way of bringing out the best and worst in people. He still does that today, doesn't he? In this case, it was both. So the unbelieving Jews in the crowd accused Jesus of having a demon and being insane. And back then, people thought that demon possession um, always drove people mad, like crazy. Uh, but others disagreed. They took Jesus' words seriously and remembered his healing of the blind man. Can we not be a people that turn against each other because of our religious understanding? And it doesn't happen here. You might say, why is he preaching this today? Is someone having an argument? No one's having an argument. But it's important for us to realise that we all have different backgrounds. We all have different journeys. We have different understandings of Scripture. But tell me what's more important. Is it important to stand face to face and argue over a point of contention that you are disagreeing about Scripture? Or is it more important to shine the light of Jesus in our community and bring people to the knowledge of him? What do you want to invest your energy in? What do you want to invest your time into? Can I encourage you that leading people to the Good Shepherd is of utmost critical importance today? Amen. Don't waste time arguing over this or that. But it says this, no, you misunderstood, brother. You're, you know, you're deceived or whatever. Don't do that. Just stop it. <laughs> Just have a look at this video as we come to a close.
world where there's contention over scripture and who believes what, can we just agree on one thing? The Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. The Lord is my shepherd. We have all that we need. We're blessed. He lets us rest in green meadows. We get to rest in him. No more worry. No more struggles. No more striving. It's going to be there, but our perspective is different because we get to rest in green meadows, not rocky, uncomfortable chasms. Imagine lying down on like jagged rocks. No, not that. Green meadows, a place of peace. He leads us beside peaceful streams, not tsunamis. <laughs> can we agree on that? That when we make the Lord our shepherd, we can live in peace. He renews our strength. So when we're feeling tired and weary, can we agree? But the Lord is our shepherd and he strengthens us. He guides us along the right paths. He brings, uh, we bring honour to his name when we make him our shepherd. You know, and when we walk through the darkest valleys, and we do, and some of us are right now, some of us have some great challenges in our midst, but when we walk through those darkest valleys, we don't have to be afraid. When we make the Lord our shepherd, can we agree on that? We don't have to be afraid. Doesn't matter how hard and tough things get, don't hide away and run away. Come here and let us love on you. Because that's what the church is about, right? So when we go through those difficult, dark times, you don't have to be afraid. Firstly, God's with you, but your church has your back. We are here. So we don't have to be afraid. Because God is close beside us. His rod and his staff, unlike the worst shepherd in the world trying to do, God does it much better. They protect and comfort us. God prepares us a feast in the presence of our enemies. I always picture the little kid going, <laughs> maybe that's just because I'm a bit cheeky. But he does that for you. In the midst of your persecutors, in the midst of people that come against you, that make life difficult for you, God's preparing a table for you so that you can just enjoy his blessing in the midst of persecution. And then our cup overflows. It's not just half full, three quarters full. You know, COVID safe, full, whatever that is. It's overflowing with blessings. And then surely, surely is an assumption. Surely, surely the sun's going to come up tomorrow. That's how it is. Surely, surely it's going to go down again at the end of the day. Surely, goodness and unfailing love, other versions say goodness and mercy, will follow us. This version said will pursue us. It hunts us down. It chases after you when the Lord is your shepherd. And we will live in the house of the Lord forever. You know, we have an opportunity right now, if we do this at every service at Vineyard, to accept Jesus. And not just to believe who he is, but to ask his desires to become our desires. His uh, reality to become our reality. His uh, dreams and plans for the planet to become ours. It's a change of focus, isn't it? Because we live in a world where it's so me-driven. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about if I can just get this, then I'll be this. And, and there's always something that people of the world are chasing because they're never quite fulfilled until the day that we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour and allow his vision to become our vision. So if you're in this place today, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Don't tune out online. Uh, we want you to be involved in this as well. But... You have an opportunity to not just believe in Jesus today, but to be transformed by the power of Jesus. 
to become all that he is, all that he envisions, all that he sees. His desires become our desires. That's what we're praying for right now as people make this choice. So if you're in this place and you've never surrendered your life uh, to Jesus or you'd like to do that today, or if you're at home, I can't see your hand, but just respond in some way. People in this place, why don't you lift up your hand and say, yes, Pastor Jeremy, today is the day I need to dedicate my life to become more like Christ by choosing to believe in him and to make him my Lord. So if that's you, just lift up your hand and I'm going to include you as we pray in just a moment. Fantastic. And if you're doing it at home, you know, God sees your response. This is more about your response than it is about putting your hand up. So let's pray this prayer together and, and put our trust in him. So to say it after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you came and that you died for me so that I could be made free from my past and from myself and that my desires can now become your desires. I now choose to live my life for you. I give you complete control. I walk through the gate. Its name is Jesus. And I'm now under your protection. I thank you for everything you've done for me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we thank God for people making that decision today? Confessing their life with Jesus. There's no greater thing. There's no greater thing. I love it. 